It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Recorded live. Participants in the meeting. Hey, Carrie. Hey there, guy. Natural, more natural than uh, the international delight. No chemicals in it.
Root rot, homicide, four deep. Yeah. What about me? Um, he's like a weird cult leader, like man. He got a lot of people like him. I don't really care for him, but a lot of people. He might. His potential. Yeah, he might. Am I mutual friends with him? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know. Nicole and Emma, they like him and stuff. Da la 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 la.
Okay. Ugh, why does it say follow through service unavailable? Okay. All right. So she did share out the link an hour ago, so that's good. Hello. Uh, it's usually at the bottom left. There's something to uh, um, unmute your audio. There's an audio option at the bottom left. There it is. Hi. How you doing? Good. How are you? Great. Doing good. Looking forward to tonight. Uh, yeah, I guess so. Um, so... Uh, I have to, I'm still trying to work out the sort of situation here. You can hear me? Yes. Okay. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, because I don't usually use Zoom, so I don't know that much about it. So, um, just trying to see what's going on here. Um, so, people, this link you sent me, people can watch it on there, right? The one. The, fir- the first link I sent you, the, uh, the truthseeker.com link. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to put that out there, and um, I'll be right back. I have to go Okay. do some stuff, and I'll be right back. Okay. This is the Pharaoh's trying to crown me as terrorism.
Hi. Um, I'm trying to. Oh, there it is. Okay. All righty. Okay. Are you ready? Yeah. Okay. Before we go live, is there anything off topic? Anything we shouldn't talk about or? Mm-mm. Pretty open. Okay. Cool. Cool. I had some personal questions, and uh, I was told by some friends that maybe I shouldn't bring this up, but I had some questions for you that I wanted to ask you about. So uh, I'm mm-hmm. excited to talk to you tonight. So, Cool. All right. So it'll be about a minute and a half. The intro will play. Um, you won't be able to hear anything. So it'll be about a minute and a half of silence. I'll come in, do a quick uh, intro, and then just bring you right in. Okay. Let me share it out. What's up, ladies and gentlemen? You heard the man. This is the Truth Seeker podcast. I'm your host, Truth Seeker, joined with uh, Carrie Cassidy. Tonight is my guest. I'm excited to have her on. Before we jump on into the interview, I got to say a quick thank you to everybody who's supporting my work at Patreon.com. You guys enable me to do this for a living. Uh, thank you guys from the bottom of my heart. Patreon.com backslash Truth Seeker. There's different levels of giving. Or you can sign up there if you want to support my work and uh, extra podcasts, all of my music, exclusive offers. I got a bunch of new music over there. So make sure you head on over there to check out the work. I'm going to keep this short. Head on over to patreon.com backslash truthseeker. As I said, Carrie Cassidy has joined me tonight. Um, When it comes to 
people who have inspired me and influenced me to be doing what I'm doing right now. I think that there's, there's people who have come along on my path that have influenced me to the point that I'm doing what I'm doing. I'm reaching a lot of people. There's a lot of people who resonate with my music. I wouldn't be doing a podcast. I wouldn't be doing music about the esoteric and spiritual subjects if it wasn't for a handful of people. Um, and it, I could definitely count these people on two hands. Uh, Jordan Maxwell, Manly P. Hall, Michael Tessarian, James Gilliland, and there's a few others, but along that list, there comes someone by the name of Carrie Cassidy. Thank you so much for coming on the show. It's an honor to speak with you again. How are you doing, Carrie Cassidy? I'm good. How are you? Thanks for doing, having me. Doing great. Carrie Cassidy from Project Camelot. Um, there's a, you have a bunch of fans. There's a bunch of people here uh, coming from your, your channel and, and from the Facebook, and they're hanging out in the chat room as well. So uh, let everybody know if you guys want to call in. We, we're going to have the phone lines open here towards the end of the show. The number streaming across the top of the platform and uh, along the bottom as well. So if anybody wants to call in, you guys uh, feel free to do that. I'm excited about this this interview. Thank you for having me on your show. I was on your show just a couple weeks ago and had a had a great uh, response from a lot of people who who tune in to the Project uh, Camelot Universe. So thank you. You're welcome. Thanks. When it, when it comes to getting into the stuff that you cover, it is a, a wide range of topics, usually having to do with spirituality, ET contact, aliens, um, secret space program, these type of things. What got you into that stuff? Because I think many of us who are into this type of work, there's something that happened usually when we were children or teenagers. We got in, whether it was the paranormal, the occult, seeing UFOs. Was there some type of... the uh, defining moments that you had when you was a kid that got you into this type of work? Uh, well, I was abducted. I can say that I had um, a lot of contact in the in unseen world, I guess you want to call it. And I have various memories that tell me that was going on, you know, now when I look back, but I can also say that I was, um, I thought reality was kind of uh, boring, and so immediately I started reading tons of books and trying to um, explore the world that way, and also um, I was just really aware of being part of an unseen world, so, um, and then on top of it, I have these uh, memories of having been abducted. Um, I have a sort of a a nightmare that I had, a recurring nightmare up until I was around 12 years old. Um, I've said it before, but, you know, it was a loud um, buzzing sound. I would be walking out my front door down a, a, a pathway to what was a white picket fence, even though we didn't have a white picket fence in front of my house. And on the other side of the fence was a guy with a top hat and a, a, a overcoat and uh everything was dark and um, I was uh, very terrified. And then I would wake up right when I got to the gate. And then finally, uh, when I got to be 12 years old, I actually went through the gate at one point and then the nightmare stopped. Um, I used to be afraid of Santa Claus, <laughs> mm. um, you know, unlike kids that, you know, because I heard that he came in a sleigh through the sky on a route and then landed on your roof. Well, <laughs> I guess that sounded like an UFO ET experience to me. Although we didn't talk about that back when I was a kid. I mean, that wasn't in the literature, really. Yeah. 
and um, so yeah, it was probably that stimulated me. I know when I saw Close Encounters of the Third Kind that I was like, yes, finally, uh, someone's talking about this and it's real. And I was like, it was practically a religious experience for me because that was the first kind of mainstream thing that I remember, at least in my brain. Um, you know, uh, I also went to Ames Research Lab outside of, I was born in uh, Palo Alto in Moffett Field Hospital. And that's a military hospital. I was only the only kid in my family born there. And um, I seem to have some special abilities as a result of having been dealt with there. Um, I also have a really weird birthmark um, that covers most of my right shoulder Hmm. that is strange and I don't know where it came from. Yeah, so many questions just out of that little bit of stuff. But I can, I, I mean, I understand if you are into uh, the these different topics, that would be the reason why you have these encounters, you have these experiences. Nobody's talking about them. You go to school and talk about them, or there's relatives around you talk about them. You're ostracized, you're laughed at at, at times, or whatever the case is. And so to find um, podcasts now, I'm th- everybody's do- doing this type of work and stuff. So. Um, when I was going through my awakening and having crazy stuff happening to me, starting to see ships, Project Camelot is, is where it was. And it, it creates a safe haven. And judging by all the people watching now, they have somebody to talk to where they don't have to freak out and think that they're the only ones who are seeing this stuff, that it, that I can't talk about it or people are going to judge me. You're probably going to get judged. But at the same time, there's a there's a safe haven, a community, if you will, of people who embrace this stuff and willingly talk about it. So whenever you've seen those, those television shows, close encounters, things like that, it, 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 it lets you know that first of all, I'm not alone. Somebody thought of this movie for one. Um, and then two, one of the things I wanted to ask you about from that story, you talk about the men with the top hat. Does that have anything to do with people seeing the shadow figures of the men with the top hat in their room wearing the trench coat? Is that connected at all? Well, I, I couldn't say. I, I mean, in my dream, that was a real person or whatever. Um, it does resemble the man in black scenario. Um, so I kind of get it. I believe I was my lab. Um, and then I had further uh, evidence of that when I met Norm Bergram, who I interviewed regarding the ring makers of Saturn, the ships around Saturn. And um, he's he's quite an elderly man when I interviewed him. So he was I think it was 83 or 85 and uh, then he disappeared completely off the scene and my interview is the only one he ever did wow. at the time he thought he was going to start going public but he was going to start also he had been given a new lab by a group of men and he was very excited and I knew the writing was on the wall right then that I'd probably you know that he would disappear but he didn't know that um, he lived in Palo Alto in a in a big house that he, he had, uh, I think, um, built, and his wife had passed on. He, he was smart as a whip, and he basically talked about being working uh, underground in Moffat Field in the Secret Space Program for his whole life, um, and I'm sure they took him back to work for them. So um, what can I say? You know, in, in my experience, um, 
it, 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 it all kind of culminated because I got into Project Camelot, because I created Project Camelot. I was drawn to uh, investigate these things. I actually, um, well, I worked in Hollywood for 20 years, and then I became a, uh, and I was trying to make films and break into the sort of, um, I don't know, when he, the big boys network. But I was never uh, kiss-ass the way you need to kind of be. I, was, I grew up in Northern California, so I was always a rebel. But I did write screenplays and try to shop them around Hollywood and eventually became an independent producer. I went to film school. And then I reached this glass ceiling where I couldn't go any further. I was pitching projects, um, packaging them, and trying to get them off the ground in Hollywood. And then I, um, in order to make money, of course, to stay alive, I was uh, working as a contractor to JPL, Jet Propulsion Lab. And this was for uh, a few years. And um, I worked in media. And I was very aware on a psychic level that there were a lot of black projects going on there. I was investigating nonstop on the Internet uh, at that point, And I was also writing sci-fi screenplays on my lunch hour. So, um you know, in other words, it kind of all built up to me creating Camelot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, everything just kind of kind of uh, reaching a pinnacle for that that defining moment to kind of leave your mark on history, if you will, as well. Um, when when we're, when we're talking about dealing with um, abduction, so I, I don't know, you know, what I'm saying much about your story of, of the abductions, but especially when you mentioned my lab. So are we talking about? Um, ETs abducting you, but when we talk about the whole my lab thing, I think the government's involved with that as well. Do you want to talk about what type of entities were 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 taking you, or or or? or uh, um, you know, I don't know. I know there was that I had interaction with Grace, uh, but I don't, you know, because I have a um, a dislike for them in general. Uh, but. Uh, and I also have had dreams in which um, various ETs, you know, I've had various ETs show up in my dreams. So um, actually quite a gamut. <laughs> um, so uh, what can I say? I, um, the MyLab has to do with, uh, you know, Moth Field, the military hospital, the fact that when I went to um, Ames Research Lab uh, and in uh, Palo Alto as a kid on a field trip, I recognized it. Um, there was just all a lot of things going on uh, regarding that. And this is the military side. However, if you listen to the interviews I've done with Melinda Leslie, who has investigated my labs extensively, as well as other kinds of uh, abductions, et cetera, she um, talks about how there are ETs working with the military on the abductions and um and I, I do believe that I was genetically enhanced. Uh, so whether I was enhanced, um, well, before I was born was probably the case. Um, I tend to think that my birthmark um, is the result of them maybe screwing up or doing something to me that made the birthmark. Um, I was born with it. And um, then I, you know, I can just say that... Uh, so it's not just the military. The military has been working with ETs for a long time on these genetic uh, programs to enhance humanity and so on. You mentioned having a, a psychic knowing 
of about you know maybe different uh, situations or just just inner intuition. Um, I've noticed that um, with contact uh, comes these heightened senses of awareness. Well, I don't know if it if it comes through the contact or it it it, ber- it, it releases something within you that's already there. Uh, and so, have you had any of those encounters whenever you were younger, like? knowing the next song that's going to come on the radio. I know that's a something, something small, but it usually starts with some stuff like that. Have you had those encounters when you were younger? Uh, yeah. I mean, like I say, I was very, very aware of the, un, what we call the unseen world. I also, you know, would see ghosts and can see ghosts. Even now I try to scream it out. Um, I get visitations and things. Um, I know when somebody's remote viewing me, I um, have prophetic dreams that come true. I, um, but I also, I also did this thing while I was um, right out during right out of college. I, I um, went into meditation for like a few months at a time and decided to connect all my chakras. And I had a Kundalini awakening. And uh, since then I've had multiple Samadhi experiences and those, I would attribute a lot of my psychic ability that's grown sort of expanded yeah. over the years. And, um, but I would say abductions do trigger that. Um, it also, you know, I can turn lights off as street lights or turn them on, or, you know, I have, I have evidence of affecting the TSA scanners. I've mentioned that before and, um, in airports. And I've also, um, affected some machinery, um, where in front of other people. So, you know, it wasn't so much that I intended to do that. It's kind of started to, you know, just manifest. Yeah. So it was always kind of, I had weird, had some weird abilities um, as I grew up for a long time that I was aware of that other people didn't seem to have knowing things that I wasn't supposed to know and so on. Mm-hmm. Um talking about this stuff openly i know you you were talking about some people can be targeted and things like that um i've been having this conversation a lot lately especially when i chose i'm in, i'm in the bible belt i'm in alabama right and so i'm talking about psychic abilities ufo contact all of this stuff openly in conversation i i was working a full-time regular job and i had my facebook page was public for everybody to see it and all of my friends warned me dude don't talk about this stuff they're gonna think you crazy I've talked about, you know, psychedelic um, adventures and things like that that I've had. And I said, look, if your boss finds out about this or if this person, that person, your your mother-in-law, whatever, you're going to be in trouble. You want to keep that private. But it was always this inward knowing, like, if you was privileged to this information, why would you want to, to keep it away from everybody and just keep it secretive to yourself when, especially when other people are struggling? I look at the way I found, you know what I'm saying, your work and what it did for me. So maybe somebody can find my story in my work and they will feel like they're not alone or feel like they're not crazy or whatever the case is. But talk a little bit about that. Cause there's so many people who are still scared to like, yeah, I'm not ready to come out with the information yet. I don't, you know, they're not ready for the backlash. Talk a little bit about uh, speaking about this stuff, especially, you know, I think you come from a place where it wasn't so widely accepted. Now everybody has a podcast, you know, you were kind of like a forerunner in, and, and um, you know what I'm saying, many respects. So if if you can't talk a little bit about that, if we should keep it in, if we should, you know, have do podcasts and talk about this stuff on openly in front of thousands of people. I mean, well, yeah, that? I mean, obviously I'm an advocate of that, of being open about all of it. Uh, 
you know, when we started Camelot, uh, in fact, most people didn't even know what a whistleblower was. They just thought a whistleblower was somebody, you know, in like big tobacco or something, that, uh, <laughs> a corporation, a person in a corporation. They didn't understand that there was a, well, I mean, the Matrix movie did come out quite yeah. a number of years ago, and I think before Camelot. So, you know, it seems like that really kind of told the story about what we're living in. But I studied Eastern philosophy growing up, and they always talk about Maya and illusion and how this reality is an illusion, et cetera. Um, and the idea that it's a hologram is is in keeping with that notion. So it, it never seems strange to me. Uh, in fact, I always think truth is stranger than fiction. Um, and I've sort of lived by that. I've also, I, I'm very fortunate in that I had very unusual parents. Um, they were not joiners. Uh, they didn't, you know, follow the neighborhood or any of that stuff. And, and um, they, you know, they were just uh, completely uh, individualistic and they did what they wanted and, and thought what they wanted. And um, they were both very intelligent and no, they don't. And um, they, uh, you know, my father was self-employed and would never work for anyone else. And that was completely bizarre back when I was growing up. That was not considered normal um, by any means. And uh, my mother, you know, would go to James Brown con concerts by herself because my father didn't like it. No! Sorry, I have my cat and dog. I'm going to have to deal with them. Okay, you can. I could take it if you want to go ahead and get them. Okay, yeah. So anyway, just saying that, you know, being honest about who you are and 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 really, um, I was just talking to a friend of mine about how it's, it's really more important to uh, to change society than it is to change the individual. The individuals are where innovation comes from and change, and society is like that square hole that you want to put a round peg into, and so everything to do with therapy and psychology has to do with fitting humans into the the square sort of whole and uh, becoming a cog in a machine. So that's always been philosophically, um, I mean, it's that. So I got to go. Hold on. Okay. Yeah. No, I mean, the funny thing with that is I've been hearing that a lot lately, especially today. I was actually listening to the Joe Rogan podcast today and, and they were talking about how, um, is it should you try to change society or change the individual and joe had a um a philosopher and someone who's uh well researched in the medical industry and uh the psychiatric in, uh, industry as well and he was talking about um you know one said this one said that and joe was saying that we could have the personal enlightenment we can have the personal revelation of to better yourself and whatever you're dealing with, whatever you're going through. And then if enough people have the personal enlightenment and better themselves, then it's going to change us as a collective. And then, so uh, there was just, you know, who, sh you know, should we try to deal with each person where they are or change the laws, change the way that we look at food, change the way that we look at society or just on the individual level. And so I honestly think it's both. I think that we should, we should try to try to change uh, society as a whole, but then on the personal revelation, the personal journey ourselves, as we change ourselves, we're going to begin to 
deal with the people that's around us. We're going to begin to start podcasts and movements and things like that. That's going to touch a, a, a actual much wider audience. So dealing with um, the micro and the macro with, with, with it all, I think it's all powerful and all, all comes into oh, play. Yeah, absolutely. But it's important to realize that humanity is living in, in basically a slave system and on this earth. So for the most part, uh, society absolutely change it, but you have to, that's my point. Um, the individual is going to change themselves and yeah. going to uh, evolve and, and re-evolve back to source. That's the, the journey. But in the end of the day, uh, the, the prison around us are the institutions and mm-hmm. the uh, politics, the, you know, every institution you can think of, religion being a gigantic one. Uh, so, you know, the, these are the things that need to change. Um, individuals are bringing gifts with them, and it's very important to allow for that. So I'm a, a big advocate of that. Uh, I studied social change in, in college, actually, because I'm all about a change in the world. So um, changing society is really the name of the game there. Before we went live, I asked you if any topic was uh off the table, you know, if there's anything that I shouldn't bring up, I shouldn't mention. I don't know if you've addressed this at all. Um, I am familiar with your work 100%, but I, I haven't heard you address this at all, if, if you have. But, um, and this was the same thing. And, uh, I had some other friends say, yeah, don't bring that up. She may get offended if you bring that up, whatever the case. So, you know what? I'm not going to say this to offend her, but I'm going to say this because I'm genuinely curious as a fan of Project Camelot, of somebody who has, uh, consumed hours and hours of, of, of your work. So when I got into ufology, one of the big people I found right off the bat was Dr. Stephen Greer. And I followed everything he said, hook, line, and sinker. I really enjoyed the CE5 initiative and the contact experience and all of that stuff that he brought out. Also the work of James Gilliland, which was very similar. Um, and then I seen the interview that you did with Stephen Greer and he was, you know, I really enjoyed his work and you two kind of, kind of went um, at it for maybe an hour and a half or so, just going back and forth um, about all ETs are good versus you can't just categorize them as all good, even though we would like to believe that, that they were all good. And so you, you went back and forth with, with him for a while. Um, can you talk a little bit about that at all? Was, uh, have, have, you, have you spoke about that at all? Have you, have you come across? Oh, sure. uh, yeah, absolutely. It's no problem. <laughs> uh, you know, I get interviewed quite a lot, and once in a while people do ask me about that interview. Um, what happened at the time was, well, we went to the Barcelona conference. We were invited to chair a panel uh, that was uh, actually, a, a, I guess, a press conference with the speakers, and so... Um, that was back in the day when Bill Ryan was my partner in Camelot. And uh, we also had a, a witness, Henry Deacon, who came out in his own name about a month before that in another conference uh, that happened in Switzerland. And he was invited by the, the organizers of the Barcelona conference. Uh, he, his real name is Arthur Neumann. Mm-hmm. And he had given testimony to Camelot, was one of our first major witnesses and, uh, and and he had never shown up in person until this time when he went to this one conference. And um, so then what happened was he went on stage when Bob Dean was on stage and he announced that he had been working on Mars and uh, basically, you know, said a few things. And I went on stage with him for moral support. Um, this was just a split second. This 
decision on his part. But um, no. Oh, God, I'm sorry. Um, I this is just um, crazy. Um, <laughs> Every- <laughs> um, usually, this is not such a problem. So I'll try closing that door. Uh, so anyway, um, and and so we uh, we interviewed. Uh, actually, it was Alfred Weber uh, and Bob Dean and Henry Deacon, and we all were backstage doing in this little sort of cubbyhole area where they allowed you to do interviews. And we just stopped, um, finished that interview, and Stephen Greer walked in with his entourage and sat down in one of the chairs and just said, I'm ready for my interview. And uh, I didn't want to... Is that how that interview started? (laughs) Yep. Okay. And I warned him ahead of time. I just said, look, we don't don't get along. Because what had happened was um, he had intimidated a lot of the free energy activists at the conference, and some people think there could have been a riot, but there wasn't. Um, he also uh, did something strange that um, Arthur Neumann was not too pleased about, um, and I, I don't know what transpired. I just know something did. And then on top of it, he went on stage and lied to the audience, and there was about 1,500 people there. And he said um, something like one – I can't remember. It's, it's been many years, but it was something – I think I say it in the interview, but it was – I think it was all ETs are good or something. Mm-hmm. And then there was another lie that was like another bald-faced lie. And, you know, it's hard, it's important to know that as above, so below, that we live uh, with a, a number of uh, well, zillions of races, really, of beings of all kinds. And some are good and some are not. <laughs> They're service to self, service to others. Some are, you know, most of them are mixtures of that, but some are definitely negatively inclined towards humans. And it is um, very dangerous, in my view, to mislead humans in this way. Yeah. So, you know, um, I figure that he's lying. Uh, I know that he works with the CIA. Um, I also know that he is, uh, well, I'm not going to go any further on that. So, um, basically, you know, I, uh, I I told him before the interview that I didn't want to interview him. Bill wanted to interview him. So we decided to, okay, here he is. He wants to be interviewed. And um, I'd actually gone on to uh, one of the Facebook or something the night before and actually called him out on his two lies. And I think that's what propelled yeah, him. Yeah, that's what I picked up, yeah. And initially we had invited him for an interview, but he never agreed to it. So by the time I got to the conference and saw how he behaved, which was quite interesting, I decided I did not want to interview him. So uh, that's how that started. And, um, you know, I'd do it again today if I was forced to, you know, be in the same room with him and, and discuss these things. So you, have, you, have, you haven't, I said. you haven't crossed paths with him since then, any conferences or nothing like that? No, not face to face. I haven't dealt with him at all. You said you mentioned that he could be making it all up. Um, I don't know if no, it's- he's not making it up. He's, he, you know, he's. I mean, we're we're actually in agreement on many many things. It's just that number one, he's not educating the CIA or the secret space program, and that's you know he's he's got a lot of you know he's got a, a lot of um, sort of confusion, let's say, going on in his head, mm-hmm. and um, and he's also misleading people. It's very dangerous, you know, when humans are being abducted and eat, and children are being taken off our planet 
and used as slaves and, and you know, um, eaten and, you know, their fluids being used and genetically, uh, you know, re-engineered, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, the list just goes on. And to tell people, you know, to, to basically get them to, to take down their guard and also to call gray ships in is not a skill, <laughs> you know, in my opinion. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, I don't agree with uh, the way he conducts himself. No. Um, so dealing with um, the good and the bad and, and things like that, the good ETs, the bad ETs, we're, we're seeing ships, all, all of the stuff's going on. I've, I've definitely seen it to where, you know, the, 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 uh, the ETs or whoever's running the globe right now, kind of like, as you said, they have all malicious, uh, they, they have malicious intent. Like I said, the slave systems and they, 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 you know, they want us for our, our energy and we're like the oil that kind of makes their machine work. And we've seen videos in the past of like these ships that are coming in close to the, to the planet. And there's like plasma beams being shot out at these ships and things like that. My, and I, I know this is still making it very simple and making it very ABC, but the way I see it, um, is that the bad guys are here running, you know, the planet, everything that we have going on. And it seems like the good guys are out there watching over us. Maybe the angels from, from the ancient texts and things like that. Is that safe to say, or, or is it just like a warfare? It's a little bit of everything that's kind of taking place above our heads, the good, the bad, the, the people who are the the ETs that are um, neutral and things like that. What is going on? You know, Uh, well, it is a war of worlds, and I will say a lot of the good ETs uh, do come here, as well as, you know, are involved in safeguarding our planet. Uh, if you look at the interviews I've done with Ashiana Dean, you'll see she talks about the Guardians, and the Guardians are a group of various races that have all sort of banded together to safeguard the human uh, genome and the human experiment here on planet Earth. So they're definitely watching over us and backing us when possible. However, they have a policy of non-intervention. So in order for them to do something, they have to, they have, to have a gesture by the dark side, the way it works for them. So the dark side does something. They are able to then to take a, a stance at that point. And most of the time, they also don't intervene. They'd rather work through a human uh, who is, uh, you know, working with them in a conscious way and then counteract the negative, uh, you know, things that go on. And um, so, you know, you can have something like, for example, we were driving in Switzerland uh, with this mm, this old Audi station wagon that Bill had at the time, and we drove to the top of the Alps up a really steep, winding road. And we got to the very top and we pulled into a parking lot, you know, slowed down and the way you drive in a parking lot, you know, going quite slow. And all of a sudden, one of our wheels fell off and he had had the car checked out, you know, by mechanic before we um, left uh, for, for Switzerland, et cetera. And it had been sliced through the mechanic said it was just sliced through. Um, and so, you know, that was sabotage, I guess you could call it. But had it happened when we were on the cliffs on the way up, um, I don't know. How would I be here today? I really don't know. But you see, what happens is I would say there's an inter- intervention. So we still get some of the, 
you know, negativity that happened, but at the same time, it's, it's, it's like most of it just goes by the wayside. So I think this is a lot of times the way they intervene. And I've seen other evidence of this as well. They do lots of really interesting things to deal with the dark side. And um, it's an interesting balance. But, you know, there are unseen beings here as well all the time besides ETs. Uh, there are, you know, um, there's a vested interest in having this genome, this this seeding, as we call it, of humanity um, make it through. And we are become, we've already become an ascension planet um, since 2012. So, you know, this is a... a is an ongoing game, if you want to call it. And um, it's definitely a war of war of worlds, you know, for all intents and purposes. Um, how, how can we know that, um, that the interaction that we're having, like individuals, you know, we're talking about the disclosure project, all of this stuff. I, I personally believe that disclosure is going to start just with, with, with people having encounters and experiences. And, and kind of waking up to to the truth of who they are and 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 having this knowledge and uh, of things that's happened to them as a kid, whether it's suppressed information or dreams or whatever the case is. But when we're out there, like I've I've had a lot of sightings and I felt like I've connected with the ships. They've stopped. They've blinked. They've shot beams. Just insane stuff. Just to let you know that um, that that they know that you know, like that, that's the information, whether it's communicating telepathically or whatever, you, you feel like you're in touch with the divine. You feel like you're in touch with something uh, angelic. You leave with a sense of creativity, of bliss, of awe and wonder. You want to create, you want to write a song, whatever the case is. And so this is how it is. It uh, um, actually inspired me and impacted me. But how do we know that we're in touch with the ETs or the angelic beings or whatever that have our best interest in mind? Is there a checklist? Do we just set that that good intention when we go out there? Like, should we even be doing that? I mean, what would you say to that? Well, I wouldn't uh, necessarily invite the ships in, as a lot of these people like to do, because they're mostly grays. Um, you know, it's important to know that, you know, a lot of the ETs, and especially the negative side, are what we call 4D beings. Uh, they don't necessarily go beyond that dimension, and they do use craft. A lot of the uh, more developed six-dimensional and above will come. A lot of them have left bodies behind, so they no longer have a physical body, so they'll manifest as light beings. Um, that can be deceptive as well because grays and, and reptilians have learned to camouflage themselves and look like uh, Nordics, et cetera. So there's a lot of deception out there. Um, you know, you have to understand that this, you're a spirit, you're a, a soul that has come into this uh, sort of dimension to play this game, to be part of it, to contribute what your gifts are, you know, and, and to suss out truth from falsity. So it's not served to you on a platter. It's basically something that you need to learn discernment that's the game. That's the, you know, that's, that's the purpose of being here. So um, it, it is difficult. I can tell you any time a being, I, regardless of what shape, size, anything they are, tells you what to do, that's a negative-oriented being. Yeah. Um, anytime they say, 
oh, don't worry, we're going to come and take care of your president, get rid of him, we're going to come and take over your country and, you know, make everything all better and get rid of war for you. And I have to say, if you haven't read Childhood Zen by Arthur C. Clarke, then I highly recommend it because that's telling you what happens when a group of beings from another planet come in and tell you they're going to make everything all right. Um, that's a takeover scenario. So it's, it's really important to realize that we're not here to be rescued. We're going to be saving ourselves. That's also the game. So, uh, you know, it, it's kind of things like that. And if you're mm-hmm. walking around going, oh, I hate it here. I can't wait to leave. You actually haven't gotten the message of why you came in the first place. Yeah. You need to, you know, backtrack a bit and understand that you as a soul made a very momentous decision to come here. You had a reason for coming here. Perhaps you wanted to share your truth with others and enhance your own ability to uh, understand truth and falsity and also become a better teacher so that you could go into the other dimensions and and move on up in that way. And um, this is a great school. I do believe in that philosophy of what mm-hmm. Earth is. Um, but there's more to it. Mm-hmm. Um, when it comes to the good and the bad and things like that, and, it, and I know that's just so cut and dry. Are you good or bad? Like there's no like in between. There's there's just tons of neutral, like you said, entities and spirits and vibrations. And there's just tons of different uh, beings that are out there that there's a bunch of neutrals ones. It's not just it's not just good or bad. Or I want to harm you. Or I want to bless you or whatever the case is. So when, when we're we're kind of dealing with this, this idea um, when we talk about the term abduction, I don't really hear that term anymore. I know I, when I was a kid back in the, the uh, you know, maybe the uh, 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s. But now everything I'm, I'm hearing now is I'm a contactee. I'm an experiencer. Is that by deception or is interaction changing? Uh, well, I, there was always, you know, it, it would depend on which beings you were dealing with, whether you were, you know, sort of abducted or you were uh, sort of a, a co-party in the situation, whether you were, for example, I would have visitations. At one point I had, um, I've told this story many times, but for the purposes of demonstration here, I spent all night talking to a little old man. He was very small, short, um, bald-headed old man who sat by my bed the whole night. He didn't abduct me or do anything to me, just sat in a chair next to my bed talking to me. And when I woke up, um, right before I woke up, I said, oh, wait a minute, where are you from? And I was really happy I remembered to ask him, and he said Andromeda. So, you know, um, that was, you know, a contact experience or kind of thing. Um, On the other hand, like I said, I did have what I think are abduction like um scenarios going on so you know it's um i think it's being politically you know whitewashed in a certain sense a lot uh and i think that's dangerous i think that um well i know that there's no doubt whatsoever that the grays um certain rogue as they call rogue groups of grays definitely abduct humans and they have in massive quantities uh, it didn't stop. Some people think it stopped. Yeah. Um, it's still going on. And, uh, you know, in the end, I am a believer that we are not victims. Uh, as souls, we d- agree to participate in certain things. They may be positive or negative. 
and there's a learning experience to be had there. There's also um, sometimes a a gift that comes through the negative experience so that you'll be able to share and understand other people's pain. Um, you know, and so it's it's that kind of thing. I don't see it as a one-way street uh, when you have a negative experience. You talked about the little being like a little old man. Or maybe that's just the way it appeared to you in the dream. But how tall was the little old man? I, I want to know that because I've had some weird encounters I haven't really talked about too much. Well, I, I don't know, but I, I know that when I heard Alex Collier talk about he was visited by a, a little old man, bald-headed old man, and a, a very large, tall guy, and they were both from Andromeda. Um, the little old man sounded just like the little old man that visited me, and this was before Camelot. So, um, but I don't know exactly how tall he is. I mean, I think he might have been like four feet tall or less, but I really don't know. He was, you know, sitting down. I just saw him as a little old man. Now, I was... Um, I was disappointed at the time because when he told me he was from Andromeda, I was thinking, you know, damn, he just looks so normal, like just like a person. (laughs) I was hoping for some exotic, you know, know, being type thing. And um, in that case, it wasn't that way. We talked a little bit about, you know, what do you feel about Stephen Greer? And there's a lot of people out there that I feel are muddying the waters. There's so much fake YouTube stories and then people share it for clickbait and fake videos that are 100% CGI and people are just sharing it and stuff like that. And then there's all of these new people on the scene and stuff like that. Um, what, where do you, how do you feel? Do you, do you pick up on, on when you see somebody all over the place and they're like the new UFO guy and you're like, you can read through them. Do you, are you picking up any of that stuff? As well. Oh, yeah, sure. Um, you know, it's interesting. We were just talking, a friend of mine and me, about Tom DeLong and that whole effort. Yeah. Um, he's a new guy on the scene, yeah. and he had no interest in, you know, contacting the people who actually spent their lives investigating this story. Um, when he put his you never got an email from Tom DeLong? Sorry? You never got an email from Tom DeLong? No, he won't wow. speak to me. Uh, actually, I have invited him to uh, meet with the producer, but he, you know, but no answer. Uh, you know, so, I mean, I have no ill will towards these people, but I do know when they're doing things that are nefarious, et cetera. And the sighting that they talked about on his, you know, go to the stars video, yeah. or whatever that was, was uh, according to some of my sources, it was actually uh, one of ours. It was actually there were several ships that I think there were like 20 ships or something and it went on for a number of days etc and I know there's some interesting information information out there that suddenly thinks that this was a um, a balloon or something crazy I mean that's just mudding the waters further but I can tell you that after you know like Rich Dolan has only dedicated his life and has like three you know, very thick volumes of very well-researched sightings and encounters and and so on with military, you know, being involved with, um, uh, you know, policemen, large crowds, et cetera, very well-documented. I mean, there's zillions and zillions of sightings to choose one and then for that one to be so questionable and to have happened 13 years ago is so fucking, sorry, um, it's just like so amazingly, superficial and 
I don't know, convenient, and then to find out, at least according to my sources, which are usually pretty right on, that this actually was a managed event and that they used that and that it wasn't even actually, you know, some of the footage was, looks like it was CGI indeed and, you know, so on. And so what are they doing? More lies to the public, you know, yeah. under and, and sort of muddying the waters and making it harder for those of us who have really dedicated yeah, our lives exactly. to the subject. So, it, yeah, it's not welcome uh, the way they're approaching it. Uh, now, I know those people know exactly what they're talking about. I know they are from black projects. I know those people are part of the secret space program and uh, and so on. You know, again, uh, I, I wrote to them. I basically, you know, I've, I've actually made videos in which I did a commentary. I've written articles about it. Um, it's all on my website. You know, it's on my YouTube channel. So you can, you know, just put belong into the, uh, the search and you'll find these things. So, you know, I've been commenting on that. Um, other people, you know, that I have been in the part of the sector that I don't agree with, that's okay. I don't have to agree with other people. I don't mind. You know, I think it's good that we disagree. Um, but I think that there's a lot of dishonesty. I, I know there's a lot of people that appear to be working for the crowd and they're actually working for the CIA yeah. um, and part of the deception. Uh, and so on. So what can I tell you? It's, yeah. that, it's that kind of a playing field. I, I, I don't, I don't know if I just, I don't want to, um, cause I'm kind of, I, I have a lot of different guests on the show. I try not to, I mean, I have my own opinions. And so I try not to just say, Hey, watch out for this guy type deal, because I don't know a hundred percent for sure that this guy's making it up, but I have, I have my, 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 um, inklings about certain people that I'm just like, man, I see right through it. And I don't, I wouldn't, I don't know if I should call their name. If I'm the, the truth seeker podcast, maybe we should, if, if we, if we feel, well, fish, you know, feel something fishy. public and because that particular sighting was yeah. uh, questionable, I don't mind mentioning it again. I don't mind that he's joined the playing field. I don't mind that he wants to, he does seem like he wants to get the truth out. Now, whether he's used and abused or doesn't know yeah. one sighting from another and doesn't, you know, has been told, you know, oh, don't touch the people that are out there. They're, you know, jaded or they're whatever. You know, in other words, you never know what side, what kind of disinfo he's been mm -hmm. said as well. But, you know, in that case, generally speaking, um, unless somebody really is, I don't know, doing something extremely negative to the public, I'm not yeah. going to mention them. Yeah. I, don't, I don't think, you know, having, I'm not interested in this interview in naming names of, you know, perpetrators of various things. But I think, uh, you know, word to the wise in terms of if you're going to make a big splash and you're going to bring a bunch of scientists and aerospace executives onto a stage, you're going to be talked about. And I think that's fair game. Yeah, definitely. Um, and especially when I see him kind of come onto the scene, this is somebody I've been listening to his music since I was, you know, 11 years old or so. So to, to hear somebody you've been listening to their music and now they're coming out into the same type of field that you're interested in. Um, it's kind of cool, but then you, you see the information that he's bringing and the people he's working with. And it just kind of, it kind of draws up a, a red flag. Let me ask you this though. Is this the same Tom DeLong from uh, that, that's been working with coast to coast AM, like at the very end of coast to coast AM, when it goes off, they tell you, 
the producers and the underwriters, and they always name Tom Delone. They've been doing it for years. I know. I know he's yeah, been I, into this. Is it about uh, Tom Dan? Tom Danheiser. That's Tom Danheiser. Okay. okay. So Tom. Okay. So it's Tom Danheiser and Tom. Okay. All right, I'm just, I'm just making sure. For some reason, I, I know I know he's been on Coast to Coast AM, Tom DeLong, back in the day. Yeah, before he came out and and did his big his big thing, what he did and 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 all that stuff. But um, yeah, I've definitely been in, into. Yeah, um, Coast to Coast won't talk to me. They told me first of all I was too much competition. Then they let me on accidentally uh, for less than 15 minutes and hung up on me. Yeah, when they found out it was you. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's the weird thing. You would think that there would be more unity in the field, right? And there is a lot of unity, don't get me wrong, but you think that there would be more if there was like a common interest and an invested uh um interest, but we find out that I think a lot of people are making it up. I think that other people have book deals and publishing deals and they're making it up as we go. I've had a lot of contact experiences and and I've had it just mind blowing, mind boggling that I've dedicated my life to this stuff. And I don't have half of the information that these people are, t- are talking about. Most of this stuff is muddy when you're coming out of those realms or you're waking up in a dream and you felt something in your room and you're having all these encounters or whatever. But then these people have it down to a T. I, I think I think we're doing good to question. It. I don't think we should follow anybody's teaching or books hook line and sinker i think we should question it all and what remains and once we take these other pieces of the puzzle and put them together let me take carrie cassidy's piece let me take stephen greer's piece let me take maxwell everybody put it together and it eventually starts to make a little bit more sense and and some of the people who are making it up or they're kind of falling to the wayside or they're focusing on other things at the moment and they've kind of lost their interest or passion in it or whatever so I appreciate you, you know what I'm saying, being here and doing what you're doing. And, and, and you've been someone who um, has stood the test of time over, you know, threats and trolls and all, all of this stuff that, that, that you get by talking about this stuff early on. Do you want to talk about that a little bit? Because we're talking about, like, encouraging people to speak out about your experiences. But it kind of does come with a price, right? Sure. But, you know, um I mean, I was sort of geared to be a public person because I simply knew I would when I was a very young person. And yeah. I also studied acting in um, New York City uh, for four years. And, you know, I came back to Hollywood to be an actress, actually, and a director. Um, my path didn't quite go for, I didn't spend a long time doing both of those things. Um, I may return to it at a certain point. Um, so, you know, I was ready. I studied journalism real, you know, I was a journalist. Um, so I have a background that sort of supports the kind of work I do and it's, that's been very valuable. Um, sure. You know, uh, I, I understand actually from past life experience as well, what it means to be a public person. So I was totally ready for what might come along. Um, some of the things, though, were quite, kind of shocking. Like, I wasn't quite prepared to have people who I interviewed turn on me like a couple of weeks later and suddenly call me names and do all kinds of stuff when I've been nothing but kind to them. And that has happened uh, to a lot, you know, has happened a lot, um, actually, over the years. And that's been very b- bizarre. I've also been threatened by some of my witnesses. Um mm-hmm. 
And, you know, so those are things that were a little bit more advanced than just worrying about the public bad-mouthing you. Yeah. I mean, we know that the CIA and these NSA are paying trolls to really inundate my channel, which is why I don't have the comments. comments. Yeah. Uh, the trolls are just rampant, and yeah. they're really vicious. Some, some of them are yeah. just out of their minds vicious. Oh, yeah. Some of them really are freaking yeah. One hundred percent. This sector does, uh, you know, encourage crazies and also people get triggered. So even people that are relatively normal, when they hear someone talking about things that they're trying to bury and that they may have some very bad memories around that, that can kind of, you know, make them go crazy, I guess, or something. So, you know, it's 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 kind of a dangerous game uh, that we're part of. But it's it's important. It's a life and death struggle to get, you know, keep humanity going, to get the truth out. Um, so um, you, you basically, I mean, who cares whether somebody calls you names or lies about you and all that kind of crap? I mean, it's just it, you kind of have to roll with the punches. and got to get used to it because it, it, it doesn't stop. Yeah, it doesn't yeah, stop. It's their deal. It's not you. It's not your world. It's their world. You know, they have an image of you in their head. Yeah. That image is not you. So it's it's a very interesting dynamic. And it's also, you know, it's great to learn the um, kind of discernment, again, self-control, understanding, <laughs> you know, um, even, uh, you know, sort of patience and love with, you know, these kids, these babies that are like no idea what's going on and, and think that, you know, I mean, the the naivete is is just deep. It's really deep. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I mean, the whole the whole YouTube comment thing is 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 uh, outrageous. And um, I, I think I kind of I I kind of like to silence their voice when they think that they can come upon your platform and use your platform to voice their opinion or whatever the case is. From um, uh, you know, what I'm saying dealing with the comments and things like that. I had a pastor. Uh, comment on one of my videos the other day and uh he just was kind of shooting me down or whatever but i just responded like why did the the pastor feel the need to come on my channel and not show self-control and actually want to come on and and and, and make his voice heard he's like a pastor of a church but he had to come to my channel and voice his opinion i was like you didn't show self-control like you need to, to to practice that and uh um but it shows you man like people are like they want to get that last word in, you know? Yeah, it's just their their problem. You know, they, there's a lot of disturbed people. I mean, it's understandable living like we do, you know. People are being lied to by their governments constantly. I mean, you know, a big hurdle I've said in the past is, you know, if a, if a person isn't ready to accept the notion that their government is lying to them, on a regular basis, then there's no way in hell they're going to, you know, understand the stuff that we're talking about. You know, that's a first hurdle. You have to understand that the people around you in these institutions have been fed lies their whole lives as well. And their sense of self, their sense of security is lodged in those institutions. So they're going to lie to you because it's their life and death struggle to just, you know, keep their ego intact, I suppose. Um, you know, it, it, there's a lot of steps on the road to awakening and uh, enlightenment, actually. Mm-hmm. So this is what we're on, a 
a road to enlightenment, and um, it's this is all part of it. I agree, Carrie. Um, I'm gonna go through the phone lines here. We do have a caller here. Um, caller from California. Who are we speaking with? Caller from California. Can you hear me? Okay. Maybe not. Anyway, if anybody wants to call in, the phone lines are open. We got a few minutes left. So if you have a, a question and you want to join the chat, make sure you go ahead and do that. Um talking about the the ETs and, and, and all of this stuff. And so you say you you don't recommend people going out there and trying to make contact, right? Don't do that. Well, what I'm saying is that if you try to call ships down, literally, the ships are often gray ETs. And the grays are, a lot of them are very service to self. Now, there are some positive, more positive, even recovering grays, I guess. Um, but it's going to be a few and far between. So, you know, if it, it's like, First of all, the beings, a lot of the beings that are on the positive side that will try to contact you, will contact you because you're ready and you have an openness. It's not like you have to sit there and pray for them to show up. They'll <laughs> be there. It's, you know, it's kind of like understanding that com- communication is a two-way street. And you don't have to, you know, um, I don't know. It's kind of like you don't have to do anything you just have to be and these things will come into your midst it's it's you know it's more difficult to stop communication yeah. with the various hmm. beings and ets and ghosts and you name it yeah. than it is to, you know to, to initiate it because it's we're part of this incredible um milieu of of beings of you know billions and billions of earth-like planets the scientists are even telling you now so what do you think you know are a few of those races coming here to say hi and to get involved i mean yeah you know and it's just um it's it's we're we're communicators it's all about communication we're telepathic we're psychic it's it's all out there. It's it's right here. It's not, you know, miles away. It's not called down a ship because, you know, to have them come visit you because why? You know, so you can walk <laughs> on a ship and say you did. I mean, it's not about that. You know, it's not yeah. a it's not a you know, uh like going on a Ferris wheel or, or a roller coaster. It's, yeah. it's not about that. You know, it's it's a much more normal thing and you know if you are for us you know if you you are lealine you know then then the cat beings will be attracted and you will be already part of a cat being network and you know so on and so forth and if you're related to grays well yeah they're going to probably show up somewhere somehow and you know if your family line has been infiltrated and so on and so forth if you volunteered you know and don't remember that you did to be messed with um, you know, in the end, as far as I'm concerned, whether it's AI or it's another being or whatever it is, our spirit, our soul is being given the challenge of understanding that we can surmount all of it. It doesn't matter if they enhance you. In the end of the day, you know, it, you're still going to be your consciousness and your consciousness is going to interact with whatever that package is. It may have more difficulty 
making direct contact with you. You may be more interfered with, but again, this will be a choice. What we need to do, to do in my view, is understand the power of spirit and the power of soul to trans, really um, to transcend all of it. So that's kind of what it's all about. It's like educating yourself. You know, I think of like Quentin Tarantino and all his movies and a lot of these super violent movies where they just are killing people over and over again and all this kind of stuff. And I think they're like children that want to believe that death is the end. They want to prove to themselves that death is not the end, so they just kill people over and over and over again. Humans are kind of like that in their movies and in their lives in some ways. You can't kill the soul. It's eternal. You can't kill the spirit, you know. It's part of the creator. So, you know, we're all part of that. So you can't kill it. And when humans realize you can't kill it, it's just going to take another form and come back again. They'll stop killing each other. They'll stop killing anything because it's not going to work. It doesn't work. That's good. That's a good way to look at that, man. And, you know, the Kill Bill franchises and all the, the death and destruction out there. They're all right. trying to almost trying to cope with their own mortality, essentially, what right. they feel to be trapped in that body in this fear of death or fear of dying. A um, couple more calls here. We'll jump to uh, we got a caller calling from Michigan. Who are we speaking with? This is all it is from Michigan. What's up, Truth Seeker? Hi, Carrie. What's go? Hey, what's going on, brother? Hey, man, I want to say nice video, brother. Your new video was awesome, bro. Thank you so much. Uh, I had to take this uh, synchronicity that seems to be happening and take a, take a chance to call in and uh, say hi to Carrie, who's one of my biggest influences in, uh, in just this area. And just thank you so much, Carrie, for everything you do. You truly are uh, a warrior for, for this community. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. Uh, the only question I had was just um, on bringing it back a little bit to Greer and the abductions and stuff like that. And if, of course, you know, nothing's all positive, nothing's all negative, but does she think that uh, some of the abductions are from the secret space program or branches of that? And if that continues and that some of the abductions that are accounted for could be the secret space program. Um, and yeah, I was just curious about her thoughts on that. Well, yeah, actually um, that's what a, my lab is a military abduction would be the secret space program abducting you and absolutely it gets uh it gets it gets pretty interesting when, when we start talking about that with uh the my lab for anybody who has, who's never heard that term it's uh military and um uh, induced abductions right is that the correct terminology sounds about right <laughs> close close enough um, yeah, it's pretty pretty interesting. So, brother, thanks for calling. All it is, um, we actually ha- I have a song coming out with him uh, shortly. It's going to be on his his next project. So, yeah, man, thanks for checking in with me. Um, got another caller here from uh, Central Coastal California. Who are we speaking with? Well, I'm going to go by the name of Michael on this call, if that's okay. That's fine. What's going on, Michael? Yeah, I just uh, I want to say hi to Carrie. I, I got the opportunity to meet Carrie in person in uh, Cottonwood several months ago at a uh, a conference. And uh, she was one of the first people that I followed uh, several years ago when I first started doing my own personal research. And um, I, I just want to say that I support Carrie 100%. We've never actually had a sit-down conversation. I hope to actually meet her and talk to her possibly even tomorrow because I'm in Los Angeles right now. I just finished with the Conscious Life Expo. I just want to make a comment, if anyone's listening, that um, I have a lot of uh, compassion for, and empathy for uh, Carrie because um, – 
I, I'm, a, I'm a researcher, and I see the political uh, situation. I see where certain people's information uh, is suppressed, I'll say, that it's not, uh, you're not invited to the party unless you're bringing uh, the same Kool-Aid that everybody else is drinking. If you have a Kool-Aid that's just a little too, uh, too intense for maybe certain people to deal with, or maybe there's a, we'll say there's an uh, organization out there, I don't, I don't know what letter, uh, three letters we want to apply to them, but there are definitely, and I'm 100% confident about this, there are groups out there that are uh, di- spreading disinformation and trying to suppress the real truth because they want to give us this disclosure but in my opinion, it's kind of a fake disclosure. And what I mean by that is there's much more important information other than just flying saucers flying in the air. So they want to feed us this little flying saucer uh, scenario. But what Carrie's uh, discovered, and she's uh, traveled the world, she's talked to people that actually, uh, when I listen to her interviews, it helps me immensely because it helps put the puzzle together. So I suggest strongly anybody that's doing their own research you need to include Carrie Cassidy's work in your uh, portfolio of uh, research. Yep, 100%. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. Yeah. So I'm actually, is there any possibility before I I hang up here, Carrie, I've been tweeting with you, but I I didn't have a chance to follow up. uh, But if I'll send you a tweet after this conversation, if there's any chance I can meet with you, uh, while I'm here in Los Angeles, I'm going to go to I'm going to go to the UFO Congress uh, in a day or two. Um, just I'll oh, send you. Uh, okay, it's possible. Yeah, I'll um, just think we can talk. But I understand that you're very busy and you've got to be careful who you spend your time with. I totally respect that. Okay, thank you. All right, Michael. Thanks for calling, brother. As you'll be known on this phone call. Um, Another caller from Central Colorado. Who are we speaking with? Hey, what's up, True Seeker family? Uh, this is Matty Eyes. Matty, what's going on? Hey, how's it going, brother? Uh, I just wanted to come out, reach out to Carrie Cassidy, and uh, thank her so much for being part of this community. Um, we need more people that are like-minded and open-minded and can make their own decisions. Um, I had a quick question for her. Um, it's considering... Um, Back when Project Camelot first came out, um, she had a uh, a thing on there where she was interviewing a lot of super soldiers um, from all over the the country. Um, it was about ten years, maybe seven years ago. Um, and I had a question about a gentleman named Max Spizer. Um, I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing his last name right, but from what I've gathered, uh, this guy was a super soldier and he disappeared recently. And people are speculating that he got murdered. Um, so I kind of wanted a little bit more information from her, especially since she interviewed him, and I get a little bit more uh, depth on that. Uh, sure. You know, I've done a lot of uh, videos about him, uh, actually, about his death, and uh, interviewed Miles Johnston. Uh, I also did a lot of research uh, and was in touch with. Uh, the filmmaker who filmed his last, I think it, you know, um, video and was literally on the phone with him. And on the other line uh, was the woman that um, witnessed his death, who he died on her couch, uh, Monica. And so um, I did some of my own research in that area. Um, Max Spears was uh, apparently quite a, a smart guy and he was, he had sort of moved from being a super soldier to being more of a whistleblower towards the end of his life. Uh, 
Um, mm. And I, I think that, you know, he was killed. Absolutely. Uh, there's no doubt about it. Um, there were some very nefarious things that went on with all of it. But the best thing to do would be to search his name on my YouTube channel to get a sure. lot of the information uh, on videos because it goes on quite extensively. And I'm not the only oh, one who researched this. And so um, the one thing I can say that's very sad is that the woman who actually owns several ma- magazines, and I forget which I think it was, um, I forget whether it's Poland or Czechoslovakia, one of those. Um, where he was in her mansion um, and died. Uh, she never came out and did what she said she would do, which is say what happened. Now, I don't know mm-hmm. if she'd tell the truth anyway, but it's, uh, you know, this is, a, it's a mystery, definite mystery. Right. And I think it's well, it sounds like, it sounds like he did get assassinated. Um, but uh, a follow-up question to that real quick is, I, I know you've, you've interviewed a couple super soldiers in your past. And I've also heard uh, speculations that some of them have been faking it or maybe creating um, an illusion that they were super soldiers and actually came out that they weren't. Um, as far as you know, do you have any information on any of those people that you, Project Camelot did interview that might possibly be uh, faked? Um, no, the people I interviewed were real. Uh, now... A lot of people misunderstand the term super soldier. They don't understand. Uh, It's kind of a slang for a a soldier that's more or less altered. And you can be, you know, enhanced psychically. You can have implants in your body. You can be, you know, it's a transhuman sort of spectrum. So there can be all kinds of uh, influence going on, et cetera. um, But uh, super soldiers I've interviewed are uh, legitimate Okay. All right. Coming. Thank you. Um, one, one last question for you. Um, as far as Trump's administration goes and where this country is going, uh, what do you foresee in the near future as far as um, things happening in the global realm? As far as uh, I know, there's a lot of people who come out and said that there will be a fake alien invasion after there's uh, global unrest. I just wanted to get your quick uh, your quick input and opinion on that, and I'll drop call. Okay. Uh, well, Project Blue Beam has been talked about for many, many years. Um, actually, I think it's less and less likely as time goes on, simply because, uh, well, the ETs are here. It's kind of it's kind of I always think of it as, you know. Um, if you're going to throw a play and, you know, all the people are already there and you're going to, you know, it's, it's like, they're not going to just sit quietly while this goes on. So there's so many various races visiting us and, you know, walking among us, so to speak, um, like Bob Dean would say, the Anunnaki walking in the halls of the Pentagon, et cetera. So I don't think it's going to be that easy for them to do a project blue Beam. You'd need a more naive uh, populace mm-hmm. out there. I think mm-hmm, the good mm-hmm. thing uh, about Camelot and a lot of the people that are out there, like Truth Seeker and various people, that, you know, it's, if you don't know that E.T. is real at this point, you know, you've had your head in the sand for God knows <laughs> how long. Um, so, I mean, this is my perspective, you know, but Spielberg's Close Encounters was ages ago. So um, all I can tell you is, you know, that they they may – you know, they may fake it, but it's going to be real anyway. So 
it's mm-hmm. kind of like we don't live in a isolated bubble. We actually have a lot of comings and goings and um, any kind of barrier to entry has been removed. We are really now, mm-hmm. you know, face forward and, and part of this, this community out there. And it's like a free for all in, in for all intents and purposes here on planet earth and off the planet. So, um, you know, see my interviews with Mark Richards, Captain Mark Richards of the secret space program to get more of just how incredible and complex this whole game is. But, um, you know, that's my. Okay. Well, thank you very much for your input, Carrie. I, I really appreciate that. You've been an inspiration for me since, uh, even before 2012. Even when I've just uh, started waking up. So I appreciate that you're on with uh, Trusika, and you guys have a great night. Awesome, brother. Thanks for calling in. A pre-2012-er. <laughs> Thanks for calling, brother. That's, All right, bro. Bye. That's uh, Maddie, Maddie calling in from uh, the top of Pinecrest, as it says here. Thanks for calling in, brother. All right, I'm going to try to go back to this call in California. Uh, call from California. Are you with us? Um, Yes, I am. Can you hear me? Yes. You have a question Hello? for Gary? Um, I, I'm actually no. I'm just listening right now. Thank you, though. Appreciate it. All right. Yeah, man. Thanks for listening. Thank yeah. you. Awesome. It's all. I, I can't lie. I always get scared taking the calls because I don't have a call screener anymore. But uh, it's always like you get the people calling in, cursing and screaming. So we've been lucky tonight. So maybe I that's the last call. We, we. I think we're good. So. Um, there's a question in the chat from a good friend of mine who uh, watches the show as a supporter, Adam Star Seed Bay, and he's trying to call. He's having some problems calling, but he says, he says, ask her what she knows. And this is always his go-to question for a lot of guests. He wants to get to the bottom of this. Ask her what she knows about Antarctica and, and why it is such a protected and sacred place. Well, I know lots of bits and pieces about Antarctica. Um, Probably no one knows the full story except the people that are running the place. Uh, I can say that, you know, I have been told by a deep source that uh, Antarctica is uh, what it is in part because it is kind of impossible to get there without going certain ways and through New Zealand, et cetera, et cetera. So you can be tracked and it's also a very forbidding kind of environment, at least on the surface, uh, you know, you don't get into the sort of natural part of it if you don't go um, sort of under the ice and so on. And so it's like the perfect place to go, I'm told, for ETs and humans to meet where they won't be surveilled um, by any enemies of that group that is running that place. So it's, uh, it's also apparently tracking uh, incoming objects. It, from the South Pole, if I understand it, the telescopes down there have a good view of our solar system and incoming and outgoing traffic. So Solar Warden, I'm sure, is uh, orchestrated in large part from there. Um, you know, it's, it's yeah, it's a huge mixed bag. I mean, watch my interview with William Tompkins to get the uh, 411 on a lot of what's going on in Antarctica, why it, how it factored in the secret space program from day one. We had a, also a witness who uh, was an escapee from New Berlin down there, 
and uh, he was talking about the crazy stuff going down down there, you know, and so on. So, like I said, it's just another good secret place for them to have. I mean, there's so many of them, but uh, there does seem to be some kind of command and control center down there. Um, can't say exactly, you know, much more about it than that, but, you know, it seems to be the, the case. And um, I think it's run by an off-planet civilization for the most part. I do think that uh, John Kerry went to report down there and various uh, other leaders have done so um, at, at strategic moments in our history. Um, one person I found out recently that was involved in the Kennedy assassination, for example, went down there during that time. So uh, this is, uh, you know, some this has been going on quite a long time. And, of course, the Nazis were very involved and have a base down there and so on. Has Carrie Cassidy got into um, Flat Earth? Uh, well, I have written something about it, so I guess if you search under Flat Earth on my website, you can find it. But I'll basically say my philosophy about that, which is that, in a sense, we live in a hologram anyway, and we are 3D moving into 4D. <laughs> My dog is saying hello. Oh, he's uh, beautiful. I finally get a chance to see him. Yeah, wow. someone said I should show my dog because she's a puppy, but she's learning. So anyway, um, and uh, so uh, what was I saying? Um, Flatter. And so it's, you know, even Ashiana Dean talks about these plates, and I use the word planet. So a planet is a plane, and it's a net. It captures people. It captures you. You're captured on by the plan that you live on. And it's a plan. It's a net with a plan and it's plan, a plane. So anyway, there's this aspect of 4D coming into 3D at this time. And 4D is a horizontal, endless plane. It's the way it's visualized. And so... Um, it, this is what we're moving into. We're moving out of 3D, and my, in my view, and, and very much into 4D more and more. And that's why we're dealing with so many of the beings from 4D. And uh, 4D is all about group-to-group interaction. So I think what's happening is that people are kind of, you know, we live in a hologram anyway. Nothing is really solid we are spirit first, material second. So it's important to understand that what appears physically, you know, solid, like a table, this table, if you can vibrate at the right speed, you can go in between these and, and actually, you know, go through the table. So, you know, it's like men with stare, who stare at goats, et cetera. So I understand all the weird stuff that goes on. You know, I have heard about it and looked into it. And even this latest thing with um, uh, Elon Musk and the, and the car and, and how bizarre everything looks and yeah. how they're showing the earth. And, you know, it, yeah. why is it circling constantly? I thought it was on the way to Mars. Why doesn't it just drive there straight? And, you know, there are so many weird things yeah. that they lie to us about. I'm with everyone on that. And I can say that one of the things is, you know, when they show you like in Antarctica, they show you a flag that's supposed to go every so often. And then all of a sudden the camera breaks and then they don't show you anymore. I mean, this goes on constantly. So yes, they're hiding stuff. 
Do we live on a flat earth? No. I believe that the spiral, you know, the circle, the sort of the, the dimensional, in this dimension, we live on a, on a, on a round circle, a, a globe, so to speak. And, you know, our head is a globe. We're, you know, this is kind of how it works. There are the basics, the platonic solids, etc. So I don't think flat earth is exactly what it is. Um, you know, but I do think that there are lies about what's being shown to us and what isn't and why we can't see certain things in space and why you never see the stars, you know, when you're in a spaceship and all this kind of weird stuff. I mean, it seems... My my answer to that is, of course, that there are ET craft, gigantic ones, um, that we are so not alone, and et cetera. Uh, but I, I see it in a more dimensional way, I think, would be the best way to explain it. I don't see it as, you know, as far as I'm concerned, these walls and everything around us is, is an illusion anyway. Um, you know, I'm very much a believer in the, in the sort of... Um, I guess you call it, um, you know, the Eastern philosophy. Yeah, hermetic principles, vibration, things like that. Mm-hmm. So, um, and who cares, you know, in the end? I mean, you know, I, I realize that. <laughs> Marginalize your fan base over flat earth. You know, that's what I've seen, if yeah. it works for you to think of it that way, yeah. to, to kind of get into the 4D mindset and to think of it that way, I think that's what's happening to people's minds. I really do. That's why mm-hmm. it's come back to the fore. I do too. Um, there's another question here, and this is kind of a two-part question, one for this person, one for me. It says, ask if if the aliens that people see on uh, hallucinogenic trips are real. Serious question. Like you take in, in tribal ceremony. So my question is, are these entities that people are interacting with, do you think they're real? Number two, have you had a ayahuasca ceremony or psilocybin mushroom encounter? Um, yes, I think they're real. Uh well, I can say that um, I can't go into a lot of detail, but I did live in Woodstock, New York, uh, for a little while and um, got involved in the music business there when I was quite young. And um, I was staying in a caretaking a house on a hill in, in the town of Woodstock, the real Woodstock. And sky, stop it. Um, so and uh, and something visited me there. Um and I had been given a, uh, I think it was some kind of peyote button thing. And, you know, I don't do, I haven't done a lot of drugs in my life, but that was one time when someone said, oh, try it. You know, I was young, I tried it. And there was this really kind of horrible green being that I woke up and was like trying to, you know, get on top of me or something. And I like screamed. And, you know, it, it disappeared. So I, I think they're real. You know, mm-hmm. I think these, you know, it's reptilians. There are a lot of reptilians are totally interdimensional beings. They're going into the fourth dimension, you know, and they're coming here. They can only be here temporarily. On the other hand, some of them have been, you know, going in and out of this dimension forever. And, uh, you know, and I think if you look at the work of Graham, Graham Hancock, you'll see that he was very much into ayahuasca and had visitation. Yeah. On. So, yeah, they're as real as anything else. They're as real as we are. What does that mean? You know, we're <laughs> I like that. Um, what, what should what, what kind of dog do you have? Oh, she's a uh, she's called a Swiss Shepherd, and I researched to decide what kind of dog to get. 
and she's like a shepherd, but not as heavily built uh, bone structure. And she's uh, often used in police work in the UK. And um, they're very beautiful and yeah, lovely beautiful. and extremely intelligent. And, I have a, um, a um, wolf and husky mix, and it looks a, a lot similar to yours. And it was funny because you said her name is Sky, right? Mine's mm-hmm. name's Star, so it's actually Hoshi, which is Chinese for star. So that's interesting. Looks a lot like them. So, um, well, I should probably get going. You said this is drawing to close, yeah? Yes, yes. One last question. What does the Jaguar mean to you? We always see the iconic Project Camelot Jaguar. What does that mean to you? I used to write uh, poetry and rock and roll songs, and uh, Jaguar is a song that I wrote and uh, co you know, produced with uh, one of my, my ex-husband, actually, <laughs> and who's a rock and roller. And um, let's see, what can I tell you? The Jaguar, I didn't even know it when I wrote the lyrics. I uh, hadn't really researched it. It came to me sort of in a vision, and I got the whole set of lyrics all together and everything. So if you listen... But it's basically an uh, interdimensional portal, uh, and it symbolizes that to the South American culture. Yes. Yeah. So um, wow. it ended up to be the perfect song for Camelot. Yeah, definitely. And especially when, it, when, it, when it's dealing with, like we're talking about the ayahuasca, they talk about going into those realms and, and encountering the jaguar beings. And I love big cats. So. Wow. Yeah, beautiful. Well, Carrie Cassidy, thank you so much. Uh, I enjoyed spending this time with you we have to do it again sometime soon my hat's off to you thank you so much if you want to plug your work for if there's anybody out there who have no idea who you are if you want to plug your work where people can check out project camelot in your work you can go ahead and do that Uh, you can go to projectcamelotportal.com projectcamelot.tv or projectcamelot.org we've had to have more than one url because in some countries we're being blocked we specialize Mm. On um, with uh, whistleblowers from above top secret and uh, secret space. So Carrie visit Cassidy. my website and watch my videos. I've got like 600 or uh, it's closer to 700 wow. videos uh, now on um, YouTube. I've got a massive channel, um, 56 million or 57 million viewers, unique views. And um, I think my subscribers are somewhere around 186 or 7,000. Good stuff, Carrie. Quick question. Um, Is your channel backed up? Do you have your videos on an external hard drive or somewhere saved? Of course, yes. Great, awesome. Thanks for hanging out with me, Carrie. I appreciate you. All right. I appreciate you and take care. Thank you so much. Have a good night. Thanks. All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Yes. Carrie Cassidy, ladies and gentlemen. The Carrie Cassidy. I enjoyed being a guest on her show. She had me on. If you guys have not seen that episode, go to her channel and watch the video. Type in True Seeker on her search and you'll see that interview that we did there. Um, enjoyed talking to her. Like I said, um, there's a few people. And I, if you want me to go down the list, I probably can. But there's probably 10 people who are just influential in my life. And I'm doing what I'm doing now, the music and the podcast and the research and and have given my life to pursue this work and this material. Carrie Cassidy is one of them. She is definitely one of them. Project Camelot. Many of you guys who are hanging out now in the chat room, you guys know because she is, has, has made an impact on your life. So with that being said, there wouldn't be a true seeker podcast. There wouldn't be many other little shows popping up and people speaking with confidence on, on these type of subjects. If there wasn't a project Camelot, um, as far as I'm concerned, you know, David Wilcock and many of these people who, 
they kind of used Project Camelot as um, uh, to be um, propelled with their careers, essentially, to where they are now, because that was just a huge platform when there wasn't a whole plethora of, of shows to watch. Now, like, if you're watching this on YouTube, there's probably a ton of videos going down the side, you guys watching this live, um, of different videos you can watch concerning spirituality and aliens, and everybody's an expert on the subject, but I'm telling you, just a few years ago, there wasn't many people doing it. Carrie Cassidy was one of them. My hat is off to her. Uh, thank her and Bill Ryan for the work that they've contributed and the work that she is still doing. She's still going. It's not over yet. So Carrie Cassidy, thank you. Um, one thing she was talking about the, um, the Elon Musk thing and seeing the, the SpaceX or whatever. And, and, and that car, that thing looks, it looks like a, like CGI and it's not good at all. And I think he released a statement and he says that, uh, um, be, the reason it looks fake is because it's real or if it, you know what I'm saying? That, that because it looks fake, therefore that must mean that it's real because they could have did a better job, right? With better CGI and better stuff like that. I don't know that that's insane. If you haven't seen it, I don't, it doesn't look real. I'll say that, but it is uh, interesting to note. Now I know I'm going to mess this up, but the, um, one of the Apollo missions where they were supposed to pan back and film the earth through the window, um, it's interesting to note, and there's extra footage that shows this, and they admitted it, but instead of pointing the camera out the window and filming the Earth as they're, as they're leaving the Earth, supposedly, they hold up a um, cardboard with a hole cut in the center of it, and they put that up against the window, and they film the cardboard to show this perfect circle in, in the middle and it looked like it was the earth. But then at the end, you can see them move the cameras away and pull the cardboard away. And supposedly they admitted it. This is, this is interesting. It's, it's interesting. Why, why would they, they do these things? Something's going on. Like I said, you guys aren't an hour and 30 minutes into this podcast, into this episode. If you didn't know that something was happening, I don't claim to be an expert. I don't, and I, I, I don't think, I don't trust many people who do put it that way to be an expert, but we know we have something Like we have something to bring to the table. Carrie, Carrie Cassidy has something to bring. I think, I think Jordan Maxwell, I think Stephen Greer, I think all these people have something to bring to the table, uh, a piece of the puzzle. And as we put it together, it begins to formulate a picture. So um, all of this stuff interests me. I've had my own experiences and um, this is what we do. Truth Seeker Podcast. Thank you guys for hanging out with me. Uh, thank you guys for supporting my work at over there on Patreon. Um, every Thursday night, we are doing the roundtable discussion on the School of the Mystics. So anybody who's looking for community, anybody who's looking to get plugged in with what we're doing, um, those who are supporting on Patreon, you get access to the School of the Mystics as well. Anywhere from a dollar a month um, any, to, to whatever you're, you're um, supporting at, you get access there. So Thursday nights, School of the Mystics, 7 p.m. Uh, if you head on over to patreon.com backslash truthseeker, you also get extra podcast. You get my full discography. It's like 10 plus albums of hip hop music and esoteric spirituality. Everything that essentially what I've been learning from those type of research and podcasts and stuff and, and having in my own encounters, articulating it and putting it into a song. That's what I do music about. It's so cool that a lot of people who listen to my podcast now, there's so many new people coming on. They, they don't even know that I, I do music. So it's cool now that, uh, like I said, at the beginning, it was people who were fans of my music 
they would in turn listen to the podcast just because they like the music and they, they like what I'm about or whatever. But now it's, there's a lot of new people coming into my work and, and what I do simply because of the podcast. So all of you guys, I'm going to say shalom, peace. Welcome to the fold. Welcome to the podcast. Click that subscribe button if you're on YouTube. Uh, also in the description, we do a, a, the podcast is on iTunes. It's on Spotify, iHeartRadio, all that good stuff. Make sure you subscribe to my channel there. So patreon.com backslash truthseeker to support. Um, there's a bunch of ways to support in the, um, in the description. And so I couldn't do this without you guys. I go as far to say that I wouldn't do this without you guys. Thank you guys for the support. Um, 2018 is off to a great start, man. We're, we're doing big things and I appreciate each and every one of you guys with that. I'm going to say good night and Shalom. Thank you for everybody hanging out in the chat room. All of my, um, my regular people over there, people checking us out. Jim Gerard, what's up, my brother? Yeah, I just interviewed him the other day. If you guys haven't seen that interview, go listen to that one. Um, Christy Lee, Maddie Jui, Mati, um, everybody over there. Adam Starseed, Catherine Marsh, Lil T, No Leon. Man, all of these familiar names holding it down for me in the chat room. And what's really cool is when... You know, you got family. When I was able to be interviewed on her podcast, all of you guys were in the chat over there holding it down for me on Project Camelot as well. So with that, I'm going to say thank you. Peace and shalom. I love each and every one of you guys with that. Uh, we're going to do it again. A lot more coming. Stay tuned. Goodbye. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.